the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's Tuesday, November the 15th, 2022, in the year of our Lord. Today on November 15th, 1864, during the Civil War, Union forces led by Major General William Tecumseh Sherman, he began their what became known as the March to the Sea from Atlanta. The campaign ended with the capture of Savannah on December 21st. That's important because culturally, even today, we can see the remnants of that march. When you have been in Atlanta, Georgia, if you've been there, and probably many of you have been, I have been, you don't see in Atlanta a lot of the old southern architecture, the buildings, the past, and so on. It's mostly all newer buildings. The reason is because on this march to the sea, Sherman burned down most of the buildings in Atlanta, pretty much destroyed it. So most of the buildings in and around Atlanta, not all, but almost all, most of them are new, um, much newer, in fact. And it doesn't look like the rest of the South looks. Well, this is the reason why. Today in 1777, the Second Continental Congress approved the Articles of Confederation. Today in 1806, explorer Zebulon Pike, he sighted the mountaintop, now known as Pike's Peak, in present-day Colorado. Today, in 1937, at the U.S. Capitol, members of the House and Senate met in air-conditioned chambers for the first time. The thought just occurred to me as I looked at this. Why would they... That I guess they, they surely didn't use it today in 1937. Would it have been that warm? Did they have... Climate change then, maybe. Or maybe it was supposed to be finished in the summer and the government is generally a little slow in getting things done. So maybe that's the case. But anyway, they their chambers were air-conditioned for the first time today, 1937. Today in 1942, the naval battle of Guadalcanal, uh, Guadalcanal ended during World War II with a decisive U.S. victory over Japanese forces. Today, in 1939, President Franklin D. Roosevelt laid the cornerstone of the Jefferson Memorial in Washington, D.C. And today, in 1969, a quarter of a million protesters staged a demonstration in Washington, D.C. against the Vietnam War. Some of us who are over 40 can remember those days well. Well, Associated Press is saying that Democrat Katie Hobbs Running for, running for office in Arizona for governor. She has been, she is the winner. She has outed Republican Carrie Lake. Carrie Lake was seen as a rising star in the Republican Party, endorsed by Trump. She's a 22 years in Phoenix on, on the air as a news anchor, uh, very well-spoken, um, highly uh, informed on the issues, uh, a conservative, a, a Christian, um, 
she was seen to be the winner from the beginning. But that did not turn out that way. The Associated Press called the race for Hobbs this morning, nearly a week after the election day, with more than 95% of the statewide vote reported, AP says. Hobbs garnered 1,265,331, that's 50.41%, while Lake had 1,244,850, 49.59%. So the winner had 50.41% of the vote, the loser had 49.59% of the vote. That's pretty close. New York Times is gloating a little bit about it. Um Hobbs leads by 20,481 votes, so they called it. They called them as quickly as they can. They just couldn't do this one as quickly as they wanted. I have noticed a trend. I'm not going to talk about that this morning. We may talk about it at another time, but I've noticed a trend that the longer they they play out these so-called elections, I mean, the longer they go, day after day, week after week, it's becoming the norm. And it never was until just recently. But the longer those play out, the more likely it is. And there are statistics on this. I mean, there are people, there are organizations that have done surveys on this and and, uh, studies. The more likely it is that the Democrat will win almost every time. I mean, it's like 70% of the time or something like that. On some of the the reports and, and the surveys I've read, and the investigations that I've read, almost always, not always, but almost, the Democrat wins if they're if they're elongated out, say, election day happens, and like in this case, a week later, I'm telling you that Katie Hobbs won. She refused. She wouldn't even debate that, that Carrie Lake because Lake is so proficient at communicating. She wouldn't even show up. I mean, she wouldn't even bother to... To uh, even the press was encouraging her to have a, at least one debate. No, she's no, I don't. I don't need a debate. I mean, what do they know to make them so confident? I see that again and again and again in our elections. It is very concerning to me. I'm not trying to stir up some kinds of conspiracies, but man, it just bothersome when you love democracy and. Those people talk about democracy all the time. That's all they talk about. They're concerned that our democracy is under attack when Donald Trump drives to New York or whatever. I mean, it's just amazing how we've gotten to this point. There's just such a spirit of deception in our world today. And that is something I want to talk about a little bit today. And speaking of Trump... (laughs) This Jamie Raskin, he's a uh, Maryland Democrat representative. I I looked at the way the name is spelled. It could be a woman. I'm not sure. Anyway, Jamie Raskin, I'm not sure who that person is. Anyway, Jamie Raskin was um, was on the um, was on Face the Nation on Sunday, and uh, Raskin was saying that pro-Trump members have repeatedly talked about the idea in 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 the House. Um, of putting uh, electing Donald Trump to be Speaker of the House. I've heard that before, and I found it interesting that that's part of the national conversation. I don't know if they're, if the press is putting that out there. I, I mean, this Representative Jamie Ra- Raskin obviously said that, 
But uh, I, I'm wondering if the press is putting it out there just to con- stir a little confusion um, and a little undermining of Kevin McCarthy because he's sort of slated to be the Speaker of the House when the Republicans, and it appears they will take control of the House here soon when some time this election is over some time. Maybe it's next summer. I don't know when. whenever they get through filling with the votes. But um, that idea keeps coming back, and I'm not sure if the Democrats are driving that, trying to undermine McCarthy, or if the Republicans are talking about it, trying to get some, some a little bit of steam behind this movement. It could be a little of both. But nonetheless, Margaret Brennan, uh, was talking to this Raskin, and they were talking about the uh, 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 talking about uh, Arizona Representative Andy Biggs is an example of people who have pushed back against voting for McCarthy, and has ad- advocated that Trump would make a good uh, Speaker of the House. I don't know that that can be done. They don't have to be uh, a member of the House of Representatives to be Speaker of the House, <clears throat> and so. And it has been done in the past, but very rarely. But that could be done. So it's interesting what all is happening out there today in our world. Psalm 119, verse 105 says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. We need a light and a lamp. We need a guide. Proverbs chapter 6, verse 22 and 23 says, When thou goest, it shall lead thee. When thou sleepest, it shall keep thee. And when thou awakest, it shall talk with thee. For the commandment is a lamp, and the law is light, and reproofs of instruction are the way of life. Then the psalmist wrote in 119, verse 1, verse 11, Thy word have I hid in my heart, that I might not sin against thee. That is the only path that we have in this very confused culture that we live in today. I want to talk about the confusion of the moment. Religious leaders, as you may have heard in the news, have gathered in Sinai to receive a new climate justice Ten commandments. Oh, you hadn't heard about that. Well, it's in the press. It's all over the place in Europe and in, even in the Middle East, in, in Jerusalem and Israel. The gathering coincides with this 40,000, between 30 and 40, I've seen different numbers, but 30 to 40,000 attendees who have also flocked in in their private jets to the Sinai Desert to attend this global COP27 climate conference. They began the other day by quoting from Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, these religious leaders who are... Um, independent of the, well, they're, they're connected to the UN in, in a number of ways, but they're not formally on the agenda, but they're there and they're, they're by, by relationships that they have, they're part of this conference. But they started their meeting with the words from Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. They were reading from the uh, Hebrew Old Testament. Let us make man in our image after our likeness. They shall rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, the cattle, the whole earth, and all the creeping things that creep on earth. This is where the Lord is saying, God is saying that he is giving man, whom he has created in his likeness and his image, dominion over his creation, a responsibility for it. Well, that is a truth. God has said that in his word. So they're taking that verse, these guys, and they are extrapolating from that a calling 
upon themselves, and these are Jewish and Christian and Islam, Muslim, and a number of other religions, they are coalescing or creating this alliance where they're going to, going to based on that scripture and some others from the uh, various other writings, including the, the Muslim, uh, the Quran, but other books as well. And they're going to move forward on this globalistic attempt to bring the world into conformity under what they say and the other far-left activists say uh, is climate change caused by man-made carbon. And they're going to bring the world into conformity so we can usher in a kind of an Eden effect on the earth. I mean, that's the bottom line. So I want to talk to you a little bit about that today and a little bit about what's being said because it so reminds me of, of the Bible and what the Bible tells us to expect in the end times and what the Bible tells us to expect in the culture uh, regarding the spirit of Antichrist and so on. But this new interfaith alliance is weaving a few threads of truth into an old fabric of Gaia worship, worship of the planet, the earth. And so it's old, and it has some new age in it, and new age is generally old and kind of Eastern mysticism for the most part. And so they've woven this together, but they've woven it with Scripture, and they've woven that into this crisis that we are facing, that in 10 years, 12 years, no 9 years, no 50 years, I mean, they're all over the place, but the earth is going to essentially burn up. Well, the Bible tells us that the earth is going to be replaced, and I know some say it'll be refurbished, but nonetheless, the earth is, is not going to remain as it is in God's plan, and that's the plan I'm going with, and I, I know many of you are, hopefully all of you are. So these 40,000, 30,000 attendees have flocked to the Sinai Desert, including over 100 world leaders, as well as leaders in business and other sectors, the Christian, Muslim, Jewish, and a number of other religious figures who participate in the UN Conference on Climate Change are there as well with a separate religious agenda. And that's what caught my attention. In conjunction with the UN, the event, this group of faith leaders are talking, they're kind of talking about this alternative approach for climate change because they say that these countries meet and they have been meeting for 27 years and they don't get anything done. And that is, again, a thread of truth. They don't. They fly in in their private jets. Someone reported earlier, I think it was a, it was a British newspaper, reported earlier this week that there were at least 400 private jets parked at the nearest airport to this place on the Red Sea where they're meeting. And um, they, they were kind of trying, you can't hide jets very easily. And they were kind of trying to hide the idea of these guys all flying in their private jets. I mean, they're not, I mean, they don't really believe what they're saying. It's a it's a tool, and it. it I mean, I don't think they believe it. I, I don't know their heart. God knows their heart. But their actions tell me, at all times, other than when they're either speaking to their own country, like as President Biden lectures us from time to time, uh, or if they're in meetings where a massive amount of money is going to be moved around the earth, then they seem to be believing in this whole climate change scheme. But the rest of the time, they don't act like and they don't rule like they really believe that. 
and they certainly don't live like they think they should be a part of the solution. That's the problem that I have. That's just me, but that's what I see myself. I mean, if it's real, God didn't give us dominion over his creation, and he did hand it off to us and say, you are the stewards of my creation. So they have taken, again, this thread of truth, and they have woven it into an agenda that is globalistic. And it is really identified in the Bible as what we should expect as we enter into the times of the end, or the end times, as we say. In conjunction with this UN event, these group of leaders are taking this alternative approach. They first came up with this um, document that they called the Ten Principles for Climate Justice. And it was a global event. And these are the religious, this is the religious section of this bigger global initiative meeting in, uh, of all places, Sinai, uh, near the Red Sea. It's on the Red Sea, in fact. It's at a resort. So in conjunction with this, they're taking this approach the Multi-Faith Initiative, it's led by Interfaith Center for Sustainable Development, the Elijah Interfaith Institute, the Peace Department, which is, is a part of, of the United Nations, part of the 27th Congress and the parties of the UN. The Framework Convention on Climate Change is involved with them. That's a kind of a, an assisting group of people to help the people in the UN and, and so on. This uh, this meeting, this globalist climate meeting, started back on the 6th, and it goes through the 18th, which would be, what, three more days. So it's it's going on as we speak. But according to this interfaith center, the location of COP27 is especially meaningful because they say, I'm quoting, the Sinai Desert is a place of revelation in the collective consciousness of Christianity, Judaism, Islam, and others. It is a site for turning to God and receiving God's message, as they explained in a press conference. The message that's coming out of here is is multiple, and I can't cover all of the messages, but I want to talk about some of them. And one of them is they are acting as though, and, and their words are communicating to the world, whomever is listening to them. I have been kind of paying attention to them until this started emerging, and someone told me about it, and I started to really look at it then. What they're doing, they're speaking on behalf of God, but Christianity's God is not the same God as Islam or Hinduism. There is this notion out there, and Oprah Winfrey and these other people put it out there all the time. I mean, all the time. People of influence. That, well, there are many paths to God, which suggests there are different gods. Or they suggest, and they've done this a lot, Oprah has done this a lot, She's questioned and perhaps even said, I, I haven't looked at her at her actual statements recently, but I have in the past, but she has actually said that she believes we, we all pray to the same God. Whether you're a Muslim or Hindu or Buddhist or whatever, Christian, Jew, we all pray to the same God. There, there's many paths to God. And so this is on full display with this whole idea of coming up with this what they are now calling, as of the last few days, a new Ten Commandments, a new climate Ten Commandments. In other words, sort of pushing aside the original Ten Commandments that was given to Moses on this same mountain and 
coming up with a new one. That's how secularism and relativism works. They just keep throwing away the old and creating new that meets and supports whatever they happen to be believing. So if you spread that to the world today on a number of issues, that's why there's so much confusion and anxiety in our world today. There is no fixed truth. And these guys, this is playing out in front of the world here. They're essentially saying, let's move Moses and the Ten Commandments aside, and God himself, actually, even though they keep referring to him, they want his, they want God's approval, so they kind of create God's approval, and they, they want to do what they want to do, which is a globalist movement in the name of the Lord, and feel good about it. And they apparently do feel good about it because they're rejoicing in this. But it isn't biblical. It isn't scriptural. I don't think it's scientific, to be honest with you. I mean, that's where I'm coming from. But this past Sunday, for example, the organization held a climate repentance ceremony. Does that sound familiar to you? How many ceremonies have we had to repent of slavery, systemic slavery in America? You see, what the left does, they take a a sin. If people are creating too much carbon, I don't believe that is the cause of global warming. I think global warming happens in cyclical. I mean, I'm not a scientist, but from what I've read, it's led me to believe that our climate has always been changing. It isn't static. It's dynamic. It cycles and gets warmer, and it cycles and gets cooler. It wasn't that many years ago. That Newsweek magazine on their cover said a coming ice age or something to that effect was the headline. And they were talking about how the earth was cooling. It was in my adult lifetime. And I remember reading that and I thought, wow, you know, I mean, that's interesting. And I was a youth pastor. And I, I remember reading, I remember when I saw the article. So they're always talking about this and, and they attach a crisis, whether it's warming or whether it's cooling or whatever. They always attach a crisis to it because that's how Saul Alinsky taught the left who practice cultural Marxism. That's how he taught them to function, and they do. Whether it's Hillary, who almost went to work for Saul Alinsky at one time in his office in Chicago, or whether it's Barack Obama, who taught the principles of Saul Alinsky at, in a class at Harvard at one time. These people all function on that basis. And so this is a reflection of that. So they start this climate repentance ceremonies, and they said it was to put forth a prophetic interreligious call to action. The call is interesting. The partnering organizations initially intended to hold the climate repentance ceremony and their Ten Commandments events at this place on the Sinai Peninsula, but then the Egyptian government said, no, the security risk is too high. So they all flew to London and held this event. Then they flew back so they could talk more about how to reduce carbon. (laughs) Is it just me? I mean, these people are flying all over the world telling us we've got to reduce carbon and they're shutting off our oil supplies. Germany announced that everybody's got to cut back their natural gas usage by 30% this winter, or they're going to run out of fuel because of actions taken on behalf of climate change. And they're going to have a very, very cold winter. That's going to repeat itself in many 
many cases, I'm sure. So these guys, I mean, it, concurrent, these faith-based events are being held not only at, at Mount Sinai, but in India and in the Himalayas and Himalayas, as some say, New York City, Ecuador, Germany, Vienna, Salt Lake City, Mount St. Francis in Indiana, Australia. They're all over the place. And they've got all these leaders, Christianity and Islam and Judaism, and Buddhism and Hinduism and all these different religions. And they're seeing this as a great victory for themselves and, I guess, mankind. Some people believe this Rabbi Yonatan Neril, N-E-R-I-L, I think that's how you pronounce his name. He's the founder and director of one of the organizations, the Interfaith Center, that's involved in this. He said, some people believe religion is separate and distinct from ecology or care for God's creation. He said, were it not for the receiving of the Hebrew Bible on Mount Sinai, Jewish tradition teaches, God would have returned the world to chaos and void. Applying the teachings of the Hebrew Bible to stewardship of God's creation is not just an idea for today, but essential for a future in which we achieve a balanced worldwide ecosystem and thrive on a planet viable for all life. He refers to it as a new Garden of Eden. Nero says we need to change the operating system that humanity generated and is degrading God's creation. We need to switch from greed, short-term thinking, and that would be capitalism he's talking about in in kind of disguise, and uh, individualistic behavior to spiritual satisfaction, long-term thinking, and altruism. And by doing that, we will address the systems of the problem and manifest a new earth. May God help us. That's end of quote. But he sees faith and religion as playing the essential roles in the solution. Faith and religion isn't the essential role that we want to seek. We want to seek God who created all things. Paul talked about that to the Romans in in. in in the book of Romans, chapter 1, he talked about how we'll, we'll get confused, even in his day and certainly now. We get confused and we, we look at what the Creator created, and he spoke about it in terms of human sexuality at some length in Romans chapter 1. But this would be fall under the same umbrella of thinking in the fa- fact that we look at what God has created, we take a part of that, and we say, well, we have this agenda over here, and man, this really fits, so we're going to insert God into this, and we don't care what religion you are, we all serve the same God, and all paths lead to God, and if you just have faith, and on and on it goes. And, and Satan sets back on, on the front pew as we carry on with this nonsense, and he sets back, and he is smiling and probably applauding. Because this is exactly who Satan is and what he does. He is a deceiver. John, Second John chapter 1, verse 7 talks about, he said, I say this because many deceivers who do not acknowledge Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh have gone into the world. And such person, any such person is a deceiver and the Antichrist in the sense of being the spirit of Antichrist. First John chapter 2, verse 22, he says, Who is the liar? It is whoever denies that Jesus is the Christ. Such a person is the Antichrist, denying the Father and the Son, and so on. These people, they don't accept Jesus Christ as the only begotten Son of God. Not at all. Well, I have more to say, but we're out of time today. We'll continue 
tomorrow. Thank you so much for being with me today, and thank you for your support. We need it. Box 399, Bellevue, 98009. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.